Jesus said, if you don't give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. So why is it that Christians still own things? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. But then in verse 8, he takes it a step further. What is more, I consider everything loss. Everything, not just my resume. Now, my family, my health, my education, my recreation, my friends, my food, drink, shelter, everything. Everything. It's all loss because of Christ. And another contrast in verse 8. In in verse 7, it was just his resume that was lost. Now it's everything. Also, in verse 7, it was past tense. Now verse 8 is present tense. In verse 7, it literally reads this way. But whatever was to my profit, I considered past tense. I considered loss for the sake of Christ. That's talking about his conversion. Verse 8, what is more, I am considering everything a loss. Now, so now he's talking about the present tense. Verse 7 is about his conversion. Verse 8 is about his life, his Christian life. This is my way, my lifestyle now of considering everything in this world loss. Why? Well, he says, look look what he says in verse 8. I consider it lost because of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. Remember we talked a little bit last week about the parable of the hidden treasure? Finding Christ is like finding a treasure hidden in a field that's worth so much that your joy, you cannot wait to sell everything you have in order to acquire that field so you can get that treasure. In Luke 14.33, it says, In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. In order to follow Christ, you have to give up everything. Everything. Now, what are, we, what are we to make of statements like that? Because it just doesn't seem true, right? I mean, we have, we, we have money. Right? We all have money. We're all wearing clothes, right? We got, there's a parking lot full of cars out there. We've got stuff. And not only do we got stuff, but we also have life. And that's another thing. In Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, when Jesus said take up his cross, we think of a cross as an emblem of Christianity, right? That's because Jesus died on the cross. But this was before Jesus died on the cross. Back then, there was not an emblem of Christianity. It was not a religious symbol at all. It was only a means of brutal execution. That's all the cross meant when Jesus said this. So it's like if he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and sit down in his electric chair and flip the switch and follow me. In other words, it requires your life. Jesus requires your whole life. To follow Christ, you have to lose everything in this world, including your own life. He goes on, the next verse, verse 25, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. If you want your soul to be saved, it's going to cost you your earthly life. And if you want to salvage your earthly life, it's going to cost you your soul. Pick one. So again... How do we make sense of that? How do we square that with the fact that we're all still breathing? We're all still breathing. We all still have stuff. We have bank accounts. We've got cars. We've got, we got all those houses and everything, everything else. 
Are we disobeying? No. We know that God wants us to have stuff because the Bible speaks that way. For example, in Scripture, we're told numerous times to share our stuff. Right? Well, if you're going to share, you've got to have stuff. We're told to be generous. You can't be generous if you don't have anything. We're told to help orphans and widows in their distress. That takes money. That takes resources. So, so if we're supposed to still have possessions, which we clearly are, what does it mean that he says you have to give everything up? Or to use Paul's words here in Philippians 3, consider everything loss. First, he speaks of comparison. Verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Literally, it's because of the surpassing greatness, but I think compared to captures the idea. Compared to Christ, everything else is lost because Christ is so much better than everything else. Everything, other stuff is good, but once you compare it, it becomes bad in comparison. So, so if it ever comes down to following Christ or hanging on to something in this world, you let that thing go, let that relationship go, let whatever it is, let it go and follow Christ. If it's a choice, you don't always have to choose, but sometimes you have to choose, right? And when you have to choose, then you choose Christ. Jesus taught that in Mark 10. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then in verse 19, Jesus said, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. See, legalists can do that. Legalists only focus on that external and when they don't worry about the heart of course legalism can't survive that <laughs> looking at the heart so they just focus on the outside and when you just focus on the outside you can do this you can get to where you're you're faultless you're keeping all the rules and yet even though this guy's done this ever since he's a kid he still has a sense that he doesn't possess eternal life yet something's missing he knows it and so he asked jesus what else do i need to do well, we know the answer to the question, right? We, the only way to get eternal life is to know Christ, right? We've seen that in Philippians 3. You have to know Christ. And, it, and if you truly know Christ, then He is going to be worth more to you than anything else. And so that's the next thing Jesus brings up with this guy in verse 21. Uh, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. He said, what else do I need to do? One thing, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. This guy had money, he was rich, and so it had to be established. What's more valuable to you, your money or Christ? Well, which was it going to be? Verse 22. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. He chose his money. He chose his money. He did not consider his money... Rubbish, or loss, or filth. He considered it a greater treasure than Christ. And so he went away sad. He went away sad. Why sad? Why is he sad? He's still got all his money. Right? His great treasure. He's still got it. Why sad? He's sad because he wanted Christ too. He wanted Christ too. Christ was a treasure to him, just not as great a treasure as his money. And so he went away Sad, because Christ made him choose. I wonder if any of you go home sad 
when you come here. You know, you come here, you hear God's word preached, and God speaks to you, and He makes it clear on a particular Sunday that there's there's some possession, or there's some relationship, or there's some situation, something in your life that needs to go. And you consider it, and then you just like go home sad because you don't want to let go. Don't make the same mistake that this, this guy made that cost him his soul. So considering everything lost, it doesn't mean you have to go around and just live in a cardboard box. What it means is you, you treasure Christ so much that you prefer Him above anything in this world so that when it comes down to a choice, you prefer Christ. Okay? However, it goes beyond that. I mean, that's, that's the beginning point, but it goes beyond that. Because that alone... If you just, if you just have to think of Christ as better than anything else, if that's all it means, then that wouldn't explain why he ends up saying, it's all filth. All, everything is filth in my sight. Um, not only would Paul choose Christ above everything else, but Christ is so much better than everything else that everything else is garbage in comparison. It's not garbage in and of itself. It's actually pretty good in and of itself. But as soon as you bring Christ in the picture, in comparison, the difference is so great that it becomes garbage. I like a lot of stuff in this world. I like money. I really like money. I, I love sleep. I love food. I love my wife and my family. I love a lot of stuff. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's fine for me to enjoy those things unless, unless I ever come to the point where I hold one of those things up to Christ and it's in the same ballpark. Now I'm in trouble. That's really bad. I'll give you a comparison. I love all of you. And I'm, I'm friends with a lot of you, uh, men and women. But if, if, if for the ladies in here, if you took my friendship and my love for one of the ladies in, the, in here and compared it to my love for my wife and it's in the same ballpark, my marriage is in trouble. That's really bad. Right? It's the same way with Christ. So, do we have stuff as Christians? Yeah, we have stuff. But we deal with our stuff in a way that the world can watch it and say, wow, that stuff is not <laughs> his treasure. That thing is not her treasure. You, uh, she, she has a car, and, and, she drives, she, and people see it. And it's like she uses that car, but it's not her treasure. You can tell. They can tell by looking. That, her, that house is not his treasure. That job is not his treasure. And, 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 and one way that the world will be able to see that when they watch us is when we lose our thing, our house, we lose our relationship, we lose our job, we don't lose our joy. Because our joy comes from another source, a greater treasure. So, all of that is under the heading of comparison. That's one way that we consider everything lost because of Christ. As much as we enjoy the stuff in this world, none of it, is in the same ballpark as the preciousness of Christ to us. So, comparison. That's what one part of what it means to consider everything lost. If you, if you have to choose between something and Christ, that's a no-brainer. That choice is a no-brainer. And then also, beyond that, the comparison, that things that can't even be in the same ballpark as Christ. That's one point. But I think there's another principle here, a second principle. Look at the verse again. He says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And then he says this, I consider them filth that, in order that, I may gain Christ. 
I consider them filth in order that I may gain Christ. When he says that he does that in order to gain Christ, it sh- I think it shows us that, that something is lost in your heart or it's filth in your sight at whatever point it hinders your effort to gain more of Christ. Does that make sense? It, that's where something becomes filth in your sight, if it gets in the way, if it's a hindrance. Like in, in Hebrews 12.1, he says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Notice, have you ever noticed in that verse that there's two things you need to throw off? You need to throw off sin that will entangle you, right? That's one thing you throw off. What else? Everything that hinders, which means some of the stuff that hinders your pursuit of Christ isn't even sin in and of itself. It's perfectly good in and of itself, but some things just get in the way. And if it gets in the way, it's gone. I think one of the greatest examples for us is athletes. And this scripture very often points us to athletes. So look at an athlete. The way they pursue a gold medal, that's the way we need to pursue Christ. And you watch Olympics, the Olympians, the stuff, the lengths that they go through. I mean, you've got Olympic runners, men, who will shave off the hair on their arms and legs to cut down on wind resistance. I mean, that's pretty extreme. They look down at their arms and they see a little hair like, that's going to slow me down. You're gone, son. And that's, it's gone. And they don't care how it looks or whatever. They don't, you can, that's the way we need to be in our spiritual race. This, 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 this Xbox One is hindering my pursuit of Christ. Boom, it's gone. This hobby is slowing me down. It's gone. This friendship is pulling me from Christ a little bit. It's gone. Television, movies, parties, being home alone at certain times of the day, whatever. It's slowing me down. It's gone. Susanna Wesley wrote a letter to John Wesley, and she said this. She said, take this rule. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs your tenderness of conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes off your relish of spiritual things, in short, whatever increases the strength and authority of your body over your mind, that thing is sin to you, however innocent it may be in itself. Great advice. Will I own a television or a gaming system or a bicycle or a car? Sure, if it helps me gain Christ. But if it starts getting in the way... It's gone. It's gone. I will deal with the stuff in this world in a way that draws me closer to Christ or I won't deal. That's the resolve of the Christian heart and when we fail, we repent. Because this is the way we want to live. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.